we completed 48 or 49 sermons in the book of Mark. The last sermon in the book of Mark is the resurrection of Jesus. So we're putting, we pressed pause. We're going to finish out the book of Mark on Easter Sunday uh, for our final ser- uh, sermon in the book of Mark. Um, and so for these four weeks, last week and now uh, this week and the next two, uh, we started a mini-series called Forgotten God. Yes, I stole that uh, from a uh, book title from Francis Chan. Um, it's a great book, um, but uh, it's on the Holy Spirit. And I wanted to reintroduce us to the Holy Spirit. If you were here last Sunday, you know that we laid a foundation. It was, it was very teachy last week. Uh, we laid a foundation as we reintroduced ourselves to the Holy Spirit. Just so we remember from last week, just by way of, of going back over it, we spoke last week of the deity of the Holy Spirit. If we believe in the deity of Christ, then we must also believe in the deity of the Holy Spirit. He is God. He is God. He is as much God as God. He is as much God as Jesus. Uh, we spoke to the fact that he was the indwelling agent of God when we got saved. So those who were redeemed by the blood of Jesus have his spirit. That's what happened At the moment of salvation. And then we spoke about some of the purposes of the Holy Spirit last week. And as I closed last Sunday, I challenged you this week to listen to the Spirit's voice. To be aware of the Spirit. He will convict you. Remember, He'll convict you to do right. You ought to do this. He'll convict you not to do wrong. Hey, maybe you shouldn't do this. And I challenged you this week to obey Every impulse of the Holy Spirit. If he tells you to do something, do it. Don't delay, do it. If he tells you not to do something, don't. And we won't do this today, but I'm assuming that if you allowed this to happen this week, if you, if you were aware of him and you, and you thought about this, that, that God the Holy Spirit told you to do some things this week. And he told you not to do some things this week. And we won't take the testimony time this morning to do that. But in my life, there were several instances Where the Holy Spirit told me, hey, do this, do it, do it now. Um, And so I want to encourage us, this is not a a sermon series that is meant to, I'm I'm not meaning this series to try to get us emotionally charged up, even though being emotionally charged up is not a bad thing. Uh, This is not a sermon series that's trying to get us to draw something out of the Holy Spirit that's not there in Scripture. But what it is here for is to be accurate in what the Bible teaches us about who the Holy Spirit is and what He does in our lives. Is that fair? And so today, we're going to walk down the path of what should happen as a result of one who has had an encounter with Jesus, who has the Holy Spirit now dwelling in Him, has been, uh, has been redeemed by the blood of Jesus, has the Holy Spirit. We, we spoke last week that the God of the universe now resides in the heart of the new believer. And if that is true, if the God of the universe resides in you, then what does that look like? Right? I mean, this is God Almighty. Let there be light and there was light. That God, he dwells in you. So what does it look like? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, speak. I pray that our minds will be informed but that our hearts will be transformed this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want us to see this this morning. Sermon title is simply this. Good roots, good fruits. Good roots, good fruits. How many of you like fruit? Raise your hand. 
How many of you like, uh, I, I liked all kinds of fruit until I started doing the grocery shopping for our family. Then I fell in love with bananas. So you can get like seven pounds of bananas for like $1.30. All right, so that's always good. Fruit can be expensive. Um, but, man, I love fruit. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not a big chocolate fan. My wife knows this. I'm a much more of a fruit fan than I am a chocolate fan. So Pastor Aaron, he's uh, out of town this weekend so I can talk about him while he's gone. Uh, Pastor Aaron does not like fruit flavor. Like, he doesn't like Skittles. Like, y'all. Like, Skittles is, like, close to my heart. I love me some Skittles. Starburst. By the way, I eat Skittles in the proper order. You ready? Y'all ain't going to get this in any other church. Listen up. I eat Skittles in the proper order. Not that I'm OCD. We go green first, especially with the new apple flavor. I like the lime flavor better. Now there's apple the last few years. We go green first, then we go yellow. Anybody still with me? No, none of y'all. I'm already out. All right. Then we're going to go. This one's the the only debate in my mind is right here. Then we're going to go purple. Then we're going to go orange. You could flip them. But last, the best for last, red. By far those red Skittles. So anyway, I love me some fruit. What we're going to talk about today is, hey, if you go outside and you plant a seed in the ground and you water that seed and you you cultivate that ground and you you get that, that ground proper, that seed is going to grow and eventually we're going to see something as a result of that seed. Today's sermon is good roots, good fruit. Number one, I want us to see this. Perfect seed was sown. We're speaking of the Holy Spirit this morning. We're speaking of the forgotten God. We're speaking of that member of the Trinity that's often overlooked. Perfect seed was sown. John chapter 3, beginning in verse 3, Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Great question. Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Verse 5 says, Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. To look at this theological truth in the roots and fruits perspective, when we were saved, when we were born again, when we believed on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we were born, uh, our, 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 our Our spirit was born and there was the Holy Spirit of God planted inside of our hearts, cultivated in the ground of our hearts. Perfect seed. Perfect seed. We were born naturally from our mothers by water, Scripture says, and then we were born again spiritually by the Spirit. And that born again, that born of the Spirit, in our analogy we're using today, is that seed of the Holy Spirit that was planted inside of the hearts of every single believer. That is why there's a commonality. Today we could all be in a different country that speaks a different language than what we understand. And there would be a common bond if we were in a church service, even though we couldn't understand anything going on. You know what that common bond is? It's my spirit bearing witness with your spirit, the Holy Spirit inside of you, bearing witness with the Holy Spirit inside of me. Have you ever met someone that you had uh, for the first time and for some reason you just, there was that commonality, there was that bond. Maybe it's someone you work with. And because of work, you don't necessarily lead out with, hello, I'm a born-again professing follower of Jesus. Welcome to your first day of work. You don't lead out with that. But you're like, man, we, we seem to be clicking. And then you find out later, I get it. The Holy Spirit inside of me and the Holy Spirit inside of them, there's a unity there. There's unison that happens in that spiritual birth, that perfect seed that was sown. As we dig a little deeper into the theology of this, we found out more about what happened 
when the Holy Spirit indwelled us. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, probably the most quoted verse that I quote from Scripture from behind this pulpit. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Okay, so we know that. Jesus became sin on the cross. We've spoken about this, how God had to turn his back before he would not look upon sin. But the end of that verse says that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Look what happened. Not only did Jesus become our sin, we became righteousness. That is the power of the Holy Spirit of God indwelling the heart of the believer. We were given the righteousness of God through God's Spirit. So to be clear this morning, we became believers in Jesus. God's perfect Holy Spirit was given to us. And he brought with him the righteousness of God exchanged for our sin. The seed of righteousness was permanently planted in us. The seed of sin, Adam, was removed from us. We now have the Holy Spirit of God living in us. Is that not an awesome truth this morning to think of? It's the miraculous exchange. Our sinful seed for the perfect seed of the Savior in the Spirit. It's the it's incredible miraculous exchange. And so this morning, we understand perfect seed was sown. Everybody with me still this morning? Perfect seed was sown at the moment of salvation. God's Holy Spirit, in perfect form, came and dwelt in the heart of the believer. But secondly, I want us to see this. Seed takes time to surface. Seed takes time to surface. Just like any seed that you were to go out and, and, and sow, there's a process that takes place as that seed begins to break the surface. There's a process that takes place from the time that seed is planted until the time that seed has presented itself to the world. And such it is in our spiritual lives. This process from the moment that we had the Holy Spirit of God planted in us this process is called sanctification. I'm not here this morning to, uh, to try to teach you tons of theology. But 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13 says this, But we were bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose your salvation, how? Through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. Sanctification is the process by which the Spirit produces in believers a gradual likeness to Christ. The Holy Spirit of God works inside of you to make you more like Christ. That is the process that we call sanctification. It is the seed taking time to surface. Listen, some of you, God saved you as a young four-year-old, five-year-old, six-year-old, ten-year-old kid. He didn't save you from a crazy life of sin. But some of you in this room, you could testify, God saved you from a messed up life. God saved you from a life of wreck and ruin. And he came and he changed your life. And this morning, it would be foolish for us to think that the moment that you believed on Jesus, everything in the world just fell right back into place. You believed on the name of Jesus and now there are no more issues. You no longer have those cravings that you had before you got saved. You no longer struggle with those 
No, at the end of the day, I think we all understand this process of sanctification. And that is it takes time. And it's not something that happens overnight. Seed takes time to surface. We must understand that this journey called sanctification, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. This is not a a one-mile race. This is a 26.2-mile race. Be patient. If I can encourage you this morning, be patient with yourself. This process of God's Holy Spirit working in your life, it's a marathon. Be patient with yourself and please, for the love of God this morning, be patient with other people. Be patient with other people. You know why? Because seed takes time to surface. We must guard ourselves from judging others based upon how long it takes for their fruit to show above the surface. We must run, listen to this, we must run our own race at our spirit-driven pace and encourage others to do the same. Listen to me, church. We must run our own race at our spirit-driven pace and encourage others to do the same. Instead of looking at someone who's struggling in a certain way in their Christian life and looking down upon them and judging them, how about we understand that we're all on a journey. And the Holy Spirit is working in your heart and the Holy Spirit is working in their heart. And maybe they're struggling a little bit more with something than you did. Well, guess what? You're probably struggling. I can tell you this. You're definitely struggling in the area of pride and judgmentalism. You're struggling more than they are in that area. About time for you to get off the high horse and get down to the altar, right? At the end of the day, ladies and gentlemen, especially members of Keystone Church that call this church their home church, our job is to understand that in my life it's going to take time. And my job is to understand in David's life it's going to take time. And guess what? If it takes longer for David than it does for me, that's just the grace of God working in his life at a different pace. And if Greg works differently for Greg, and maybe Greg catches it quicker than I do, it's just the grace of God in Greg's life, and it's, it's still working in me. Listen, the Holy Spirit of God was given us a salvation, and he begins to work and to change us. And sometimes he changes us at a rapid, rapid rate. If Randall was here today, I'd, I'd, I'd mention how uh, Randall's dad's here today, so he can testify to this. The 180. The old Randall from two years ago and the new Randall today. But i got to be honest with you. It doesn't always happen that way. Sometimes it takes time. Sometimes it takes time. And we're going to be patient with each other as that, that perfect seed that was sown in our lives begins to work itself out. Now, we don't have time this morning to talk about, especially we think of gardening, the things that we can do to help that seed. Getting rid of those, those roots that have grown under, those weeds that are popping up that are blocking. There's a lot of things, analogies that we could take here. But at the end of the day this morning, we must understand that seed takes time to surface. And I tell you what, let's make a deal. You be patient with me, I'll be patient with you. Can we, can we come to grips together that you're not going to be perfect? And the Lord knows I'm not going to be perfect. And so this seed takes time to surface. But what happens when it does? Right? I mean, if seed truly is planted in you and that seed doesn't die, by the way, the Holy Spirit, being eternally God, that's why the deity of the Holy Spirit is important, will never die, he lasts forever. If that seed never dies, then eventually that seed will 
germinate. It will produce. And so thirdly this morning, and this is where we're going to spend the bulk of our time, good roots produce these fruits. Okay? It's called the fruit of the Spirit. That's where we're going. You caught me. What fruits come to the surface as a result of God's Holy Spirit in our hearts? Galatians chapter 5, is the, that's where we're headed. All right, Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, in case we miss something, and the like. How many of you, we just described your husband or your wife? I'm just kidding, don't raise your hand. How many of you, we, were, we, we just talked about your ex, I'm just kidding, let's don't do that either. Uh, but uh, how about your ex-boyfriend or girlfriend? There we go, that's good. How many, we, we got to be talking about your toddler, right? Your kid, no. No, your kid's perfect, right? When those are the works of the flesh, those are the works of the flesh, that's what scripture tells us. But, verse 22 continues. So that word but is a transitional word and it is contrasting what we just spoke about to what we're about to talk about. But the fruit of the Spirit, on the contrary, is love. It's joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, not to get ahead to a a sermon that will close this series out. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. What a contrast. The life of the works of the flesh, adultery, fornication, uncleanness and lewdness, idolatry and sorcery and hatred and contentions. Some of these sound worse than the others, right? Jealousies, outbursts of wrath, uh, haven't done anything yet. Here we go. Selfish ambitions, gotcha. Dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, got some more of you, just kidding. Drunkenness, revelries, and if I hadn't got you yet, right, and the like. Things like this. And we contrast that with love and with joy and with peace and long-suffering and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. And this morning I want to make some statements Regarding this specific text, the wonderful reality of what is very commonly referred to as the fruit of the Spirit this morning. I want us to see, first statement under this last point, good roots produce good fruits. Let me say this very plainly. What is inside of you will work itself out at some point. That is a fact of life. What is on the inside of you will eventually come to the surface. Now, we we learned in the previous point, it might take some time. But what's inside of you will come out. That is a universal fact. Notice in this 
fleshly listing that we went down, all of those lists, the, they're, they're called the, the works of the flesh. And so the flesh will work in us and will produce fleshly works, such as that list. But if you want to look at it this way, the Spirit will work in us and will produce spirited works or spirit-driven works, such as kindness and peace and goodness. If we want to look at it this way, it'll all come out in the wash. What's on the inside will eventually come out on the outside. You ever known someone who did a really good job of fooling people on the outside and everybody thought they were good and they were perfect and everything was great and then all of a sudden an inward sin or something that was developing over time inside of their heart and their life eventually comes out and you're like, man, where did that come from? I had no idea. Well, I could tell you where it came from. It came from the inside. It came from the heart of man. It came from the flesh. It came from the fleshly desires of men. I have a pastor friend of mine who for seven years, seven years, was having inappropriate sexual relationship with more than one person for seven years and getting up every Sunday and preaching God's word with passion from behind a pulpit for seven years. You know what happened? What was inside eventually came to the surface and then it was brought public. And this man now no longer has a ministry and his family is, is on the rocks and at the end of the day, what's inside comes out. It comes out. And we must be aware and we must take some notice this morning. Both on the negative side, if that, that flesh is working in our hearts and we're allowing the flesh to win, those fleshly desires are going to show out, but also on the positive side. Listen, God's Holy Spirit's working in you. You might not see it yet. It may, not, it, may not be, it may not have come to the surface yet, but hey, take heart. What God is working in your heart, it will. It will. It will eventually come to the surface. And secondly, the flesh wars against the good roots. So think about it. <clears throat> We're going to get into this in the book of Colossians. The life of a believer, our old nature, killed. The Bible says it's mortified. It's done with. The old man is dead. We're given a new spirit, a new nature. It's the Holy Spirit. So what stops the Holy Spirit from completely having his way in our life? What stops the Holy Spirit from 100% transforming you in a 180 in, a, in an instant? It's the flesh. It's the flesh. And by the way, we define the flesh here at our church. We define the flesh as trying to selfishly go through life without the aid of the Holy Spirit. Doing the things that that help you and selfishly go through life with no regard to the Holy Spirit. That's what the flesh is and what the flesh does. So what hinders us from displaying the fruit of the Spirit? Galatians 5 earlier in the, in the, in the text says that we should walk in the Spirit as believers, but we often find ourselves walking and surrendering to the flesh. And when we do this, we are actively working against who Christ made us to be and how he wants us to live. So we give in to our selfish desires apart from God's Holy Spirit. And what we are doing is we are working against the Holy Spirit of God who wants to change us. He wants to create this new life in us. And our flesh works against him. So when we see a follower of Jesus who is struggling to display love and joy and peace 
And y'all ever been around a follower of Jesus that struggles in those areas? I have. I'm in a room with some of y'all. You're in a room with me. Right? We struggle with that love and that joy, man. We struggle with joy. We struggle, if, we, if we encounter a follower of Jesus struggling to display the fruit of the Spirit, we must understand simply that the flesh, this selfish ambition to live outside of the realm of the Holy Spirit, that's just simply being allowed to overpower. It's taking control of that person's life. And what that should be, it should be an opportunity for Spirit-led people in our church to pray for, to love, to serve, to come alongside of someone who's struggling in their spiritual walk. It's an opportunity for us to understand that in those moments the flesh is winning over the spirit and we come together and we pull that person along and we give that person accountability and we pray for that person and we encourage that person. We don't push that person away. I've told our connect group this. We don't verbalize this often, but my job at this church, one of my goals at this church is that we create a culture of when you're struggling in your walk with God, you don't pull away from our church but you lean closer in to our church. It's not, oh, I'm struggling in my walk with God now. Let me back away. It's like, no, I'm struggling in my walk with God. Let me reach out to my connect group leader, Reed and Debbie. Let me, let me, let me lean closer in. Let me lean closer in because I'm struggling. You see, the Holy Spirit, when he's allowed free reign in our lives, are gonna, he will produce these. But when the flesh gets in the way, it stunts that. And as we observe that in our own lives, and maybe we observe that in the lives of others, it's not a time for judgment. It's a time for encouragement. It's a time for prayer. It's a time for accountability. So the flesh will war against the good roots. And most importantly this morning, we're finally getting to the fruit of the Spirit. The good fruit is who I am, not merely what I do. The good fruit is who I am. It's not merely what I do. Take a close look at the fruit that should be visible in the life of a follower of Jesus. These are much more character traits than they are action verbs. These are much more personality traits than they are a checkbox of a to-do list. The fruit of the Spirit is about becoming the right person who will do the right things. It's not about becoming a person who will do the right things. It's about becoming the right person. Love. Love is an inward decision that results in outward displays of charity. Joy is an inward decision that we will see resulting in outward displays of happiness. Peace is an inward decision this morning that will result in outward displays of contentment. Long-suffering is an inward decision this morning that will, that will show itself in patience. Kindness is an inward decision in who we are that results in outward displays of compassion. Goodness is an inward decision this morning that results in the outward display of generosity. Faithfulness is an inward decision that will result in the outward display of strong character. 
Gentleness is an inward decision resulting in outward displays of mercy. I'll send it to you, Melissa. Self-control is an inward decision resulting in outward displays of wisdom. Yet in my whole life, I focus so much on the outward displays. This is what a Christian is supposed to do. And then this was a big one. This is what a Christian is not supposed to do. And my question is, who's a Christian supposed to be? You see, who you are informs what you do. And the fruit of the Spirit, these are, these are character issues. These are inner man issues. Love. Joy. Peace. And unfortunately, we've bought into the lie that a follower of Jesus must look this exact certain type of way. He can't say this. He can't do this. He absolutely has to fill in the blank. And he absolutely can never fill in the blank. And may I just say this? Scripture simply tells us, if you're truly a follower of Jesus, you're going to be all about love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Do you love people? Do you strive for peace? Do you exhibit self-control? How about joy? These are personality traits, character traits, inward workings in our lives that Jesus wants to use through the power of the Holy Spirit. You say, but Josh, yeah, self-control. I'm not really good at that. Okay, I'm not either. That's exactly why we spoke about what we did the first 45, 35 minutes, 25 minutes of our sermon. It takes time. But my question to you today, is God's Holy Spirit working these things inside of you? Is he working these things inside of you? Goodness. Gentleness. Long-suffering patience with people. I ask you this morning, is the perfect seed, the, the seed that has been planted, the root of the Holy Spirit, is it producing fruit in your life? I didn't ask you if you looked the part of a Christian. I didn't ask you how dressed up or dressed down you got. I didn't ask you if you knew when to say brother and sister, if you knew how to fake an amen. I didn't ask you if you know Christianese fluently. I ask you this morning... Is God's Holy Spirit working these in your life? May our lives be marked by love and joy and peace and long-suffering and kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the marks of the followers of Jesus.
So the big question, the elephant in the room, right? So I'm struggling with half of those. Anybody here with Hey, I got you. Anybody here be willing to raise your hand with me? Say, I'm struggling with some of those, Pastor. Would you raise your hand? There we go. Oh, look at that. Man, that's awesome. Put your hands down. All right, cool. <clears throat> We're not in worship, guys. Put your hands down. Um, <laughs> sorry. I have jokes, and I'm not going to give them at this point. I'm struggling with some of those. This morning, can, I'm not yelling at you this morning. Can I ask you to identify those areas that the fruit of the Spirit is not living out in your heart and life? You're like, Josh, you're really calm for a series on the Holy Spirit. It's okay. Can I ask you this morning to identify the areas of the fruit of the Spirit that are not seemingly a part of your life? And identify the ways that we're letting our flesh get in the way, our selfish ambitions. And say, you know what? I have not, I've been a little quick. I've not been patient, long-suffering. I've been quick with everybody. I'm, I'm, I'm impatient with my family. I'm impatient with God. I'm impatient with the circumstances around me. Hey, let's identify that this morning. And then let's begin a life of prayer with the Holy, Holy Spirit. Would you please, as these situations come up in my life, would the first thing that comes to my mind be, through the Spirit, patience, patient. When my kids are on my last nerve, patient. I'm kidding, man. Patient, patience, when the boss yet again says, patience. Listen, if you, like me, are struggling with self-control, don't follow your desires, your fleshly desires. Be principled, be principled. Live under the power of the Spirit, not under the power of the flesh. Holy Spirit, would you work that in my heart? Would you work that in my life? Guys, I know this is like super elementary. But at the end of the day, God Almighty in spirit form came to live inside of you. And if God Almighty lives inside of you, you ought to look different. You say, look different means I need to wear it. No, no, no. I'm talking about you need to look like love. You need to look like joy. You need to look like peace. You need to look like long-suffering. You need to look like goodness and kindness. So that when you're out here and you're, you're hanging out in, the, in the, uh, the park and you're talking to families, there's, there's, a, mar- there's a mark that's different. There's something that's different. They can't put their finger on it. They don't know what's different about you. That when you're, at, when you're at work and things are going crazy at work, there's a peace that you have that the Holy Spirit has produced in your heart. And you're not going crazy like everyone else is at work. You're at peace. When everyone at work is in strife, you're at peace. That's all it is, folks. If God lives inside of you, He wants to change you. And these are the ways He wants to change you. That's the sermon on the Holy Spirit this morning. He lives in you. He wants to change you. But your flesh gets in the way. And get your flesh out of the way and all of its selfish desires and selfish ambitions. Get them out of the way and let the Holy Spirit work and produce in your life. You say, Josh, how do I do that? Wake up every single day. Holy Spirit, it's not my mind. It's your mind. Take control of my mind. Holy Spirit, it's not my words today. If I say my words, it's not going to be pretty. It's not my words. 
through your words. Holy Spirit, today, not my desires, not, not what I want. Holy Spirit, it's what you want. Produce these fruits in my life. Thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at keystonerdu.church. If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media and outreach ministries at Keystone, your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Durham and around the world.